Hello and welcome to The Naked Scarf. I'm Adam. And I'm Andy. And in this episode we're going to be looking at The Lodger. Uh, now, before we do, uh, well, before I say those words, I know you've all been longing to hear again. Uh, quick apology. I know we actually haven't recorded anything since the end of last year. And I know I've been saying this quite a lot recently. Uh, life has been somewhat manic for both of us. I, just to give you an idea of just how manic, like literally, we have shoehorned this in today. Not that that should affect any of the lack of quality that we're legendary for. But I'm actually sitting here dressed like a Victorian school teacher because straight after we've uh, uh, done this podcast, um, we're actually going to be dashing out for my uh, my birthday pub crawl, which has a Jack the Ripper theme and it's in Shoreditch. And uh, yeah, we're going to be drinking at pubs that uh, prostitutes drank in. And uh, yeah. Um, and, and maybe they still do for all we know. So I, I think that Adam's actually like, you know, freaking out a bit because I do look incredibly prim, which, you know, um, is this probably a nice contrast to, to looking... your personality? <laughs> anyway, yes, I've been uh, frantic with MA work recently, uh, particularly since January, and you'll back me up on this, it hasn't been a week where I haven't had to write or prep a presentation or essay. So it's all been a bit, yeah. Sadly, he's not doing his uh, MA on the Naked Scarf podcast, so. No, this is true. But, you know, we've always been with you in, in spirit. Uh, you know, we, well, apart from with... me, who's been drinking in spirit. It's yes, so anyway, in this episode, we're going to be doing The Lodger and Andy... Give us your plot synopsis. Matt Smith gets stuck on Earth. Karen Gillans gets stuck in the TARDIS. Uh, James Corden takes Matt Smith in as a lodger. Um, stuff happens. Yeah, okay, that's close <laughs> enough. Um, <laughs> right, well, this is actually the first Matt Smith we've story we've done oh, on really? this show. Oh, yeah, yeah. We uh... talked about, ki- uh, let, I was going to say killing Hitler. Let's kill Hitler. Uh, um, on Talking Who. And, and we also did that thing for Dr. Phil. We did do that thing for Dr. Phil that hasn't seen a release yet, where we talked about the Vampires of Venice music. Um, but this is the first time we've tackled it on this show. Oh, actually, very, uh, sorry to go off topic so soon, but speaking of Talking Who, I uh, recently filmed uh, a little panel with for them with um, James from the Doctor Who podcast, Phil from the Who's He's podcast, and Laura from the Oodcast, and uh, Chris Signal from the Oodcast was also there. Uh, we were talking about podcasting, and everyone was very lovely, and it was a really nice time. But I decided I'd give that shout out. What was I doing again? Oh, it was last weekend. I think you were. Oh doing yeah, of some... course. Your I sister, had my was sister, down. Your sister yeah, was coming. Yeah, where she had her rude introduction to Brixton. And I, 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 I don't think your sister would have appreciated being made to hang out with some dot two podcasters. No, I don't think she did. No, I, I think that she, uh, she much preferred. Apart from the bit where I made her eat sushi. She didn't like that very much, but but anyway, anyway yeah, we've gone ravingly off topic. Okay, so first eleventh uh, Doctor story from series five, his first, written by Gareth Roberts. Now Gareth Roberts previously for the series written, oh uh, Shakespeare Code, uh, Unicorn and the Wasp, and Planet of the Dead, and he's also written various other Doctor Who different fictions. But I don't think it's until the Lodger that he really found his groove. No, he, that's fair enough. He he's more comfortable writing for the eleventh doctor, and I think we've seen that in closing time as well, where yes. he's just because Matt Smith's doctor is that much weirder than Tennant's, he kind of fits um, Gareth Roberts' style of writing better. I mean, Gareth Roberts is a man who's just about to release uh, Sharda, the adaption of Sharda, because he's one of the few I think Doctor writers who could write in a Douglas Adams style to some extent, or as, as close as you can to being uh, Douglas Adams, which very few of us unfortunately can be. 
he's been dead 10 years now hasn't he? I know it's really sad yeah. it's really sad I've been doing lots of stuff on the BBC about it there was a fantastic I think it was uh, Terry uh, Gilliam uh, writing Terry Gilliam how, how do you actually say uh, no, that name? Uh, you know the one I'm thinking of though yeah from Monty Python yeah um, and, and so it wasn't Terry Terry, jo Terry jo oh god Terry Jones? No, was I it? don't know. Anyway, it's just one of them, and uh, they they were saying an absolutely fantastic uh, uh, thing um, about um, Douglas Adams, and, and sort of saying oh, that, that he once had uh, tickets to see a four-hour silent film, and uh, he rang up uh, Douglas Adams and tried to persuade him to come along. Douglas Adams was like, "No, you have to be joking. Why would I go and see a four-hour silent film? That sounds absolutely awful." and put a phone down and then he rang back about five minutes later and said actually it sounds so awful that I'm just going to have to go and see it <laughs> and it was like yeah that sounds cool but anyway yeah I think this is when for me Gath Roberts kind of found the group because Shakespeare Coat's okay Unicorn and the Wasp uh, Planet of the Dead's alright but he just fits with Maximus Doctor and what's interesting is he wrote this when they didn't know who'd been cast as a Doctor so he was writing his generic Doctor because people always say you just write for the Doctor not for yeah. the actor though that's not always true, I think. But by writing his idea of a generic doctor, he actually gives what I think is one of the very early definite Matt Smith performances. Yeah. Because what's interesting about Series 5, so when Moffat's writing him, he's kind of, you can see it as 11th Doctor. But when other people are writing him, generally there's a lot of 10th Doctor moments, distinct 10th Doctor moments that slip through, usually when he's being like angry at somebody in the way that Matt Smith's Doctor doesn't really suit. Yeah. Uh, like the moment of Vampires of Venice when he'd go because you didn't remember her name and then turns away. And that's and, and the one in the slightly bad Silurian one where he's like, I know what it's like to be the last of the race, my of a race, because I feel it in my heart. And that's very Tenth Doctor. Mm. But this this feels more like the Eleventh Doctor we've, especially the Eleventh Doctor we've seen in Series 6, with that not really understanding how to interact with people or just like just giving bags full of money. And, and and doing the kiss on the cheek and just being slightly off center, or very off center, in fact. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, it, it's a very funny performance, yeah. you know, that uh, Matt Smith gives in uh, the Lodger. Um, I think even though it, it had one of the lowest sets of viewing figures for that particular series, it also had one of the highest appreciation indexes. Yeah. And um, and you can see just like the absolute humour that um, uh, comes through in in mm. the the Doctor essentially having to try and pretend to be normal. But it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because he's regenerated, maybe he doesn't. he's forgotten how social norms work because his brain's just wired differently or he's just he's got to get used to it all over again. Well, you know, because interesting enough, this was based on a Tenth Doctor comic strip that Gareth Roberts wrote Yeah. Um, about the Tenth Doctor moving with Mickey. But you imagine if it had been made with, with David Tennant, it would have been very different because it wouldn't have made sense a lot of it with David Tennant's Doctor, like the not knowing how to greet people or the or the yeah. bags of money. It would have felt weird. Yes, yes, you're right. Out of character. It, it works with Matt Smith because he is that much more alien. And I think it really, in some ways, it really helps establish who the 11th Doctor is in that series outside of a Moffat episode. Yeah. Just as a standalone, who's the 11th Doctor, this is who he is. Obviously, James Corden. Yeah, now, it's interesting actually because I think when he was originally cast, and some people still have it, I think because of the eighties, a lot of old, more old school Doctor Who fans have something of a fear of of stunt casting, as it as it as it's called. Because admittedly, there are some really terrible examples in eighties Who. I'm thinking mainly of Beryl Reed in Nerve Shock, though she's kind of so bad she's actually really awesome. Um, but when James Corden got um, cast, and I was like, oh, oh, it's just casting big names. Oh, but 
he's very good in the role. He is very good. And he it? plays I mean, it well. I, I mean, it's an interesting thing with James Corden because I think, you know, Gavin Stacey came along and he was well liked. I really like Gavin Stacey. I think yes. it, was, it was very funny. It I, mean, was I think Rob Brydon was the malicious. best thing in it, but yeah, yeah, it was funny without being, which is quite rare. Which is rare in comedy, yeah. especially in British comedy, because quite often it, it 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 does have a sort of quite cruel undertone. Yeah, you know, a lot of our comedy, a lot of comedy in general, uh, does have quite cruel undertones. Whereas Gavin and Stacey was uh, that rarest of things—a comedy that's genuinely heartwarming. Yeah, and Rob um, Brydon was brilliant in it. Oh, he was so good. It, it just reminds me of my favourite scene ever, where he's uh, singing. Um, at the uh, was it at the christening, and he's got oh, um, yeah. the old lady in the background Bound playing the drums, which is completely off of time, and nobody says anything about it. And uh, apparently, that was real. Um, okay. She actually couldn't play it in time, which is how it ended up in there. But it is, it is magnificent. But yeah, but as I was saying, because so he came popular that he was one of the writers along with the character of Ruth or the actress uh, who played uh, Ness, uh, Ness, Nessa, Ness, yeah. Ruth. Um, um, Ruth uh, uh, yeah, I think uh, Ruth Jones. Ruth Jones, who actually I would love to see Ruth Jones join the Eleventh Doctor playing as as Nessa. I think that'd be great. <laughs> uh, I had uh, I had that. Now there once. is some fan fiction that's ready to be. Uh... She just be like, yeah, I slept with the master. We don't like to talk about it. He <laughs> was. Um... Yeah, and then he'd turn up at somebody's wedding. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, that's how you get the character back. Anyway, yes, yeah, James Corden back, but um, and he. But well, basically, he kind of blew up quite big, and then it kind of literally collapsed very quickly. Like you had the Corden and Horn or the Horn and Corden show, that very unfunny oh, show they had. Oh, it was not funny in the slightest. The lesbian vampire killers, or whatever it was, which was terrible. Which was terrible, and everyone went, "Hey, these guys are really funny." No, they're not. No, they're not. Look away, children. Look away. And I think James Corden's kind of carried on and done his own thing. And I, because I, I think he is quite funny, but I think he's kind of because of the, this kind of explosion and then implosion he's kind of tarred a little bit people are a bit like oh I don't really like him I I think that now he's basically gotten stuck with this kind of like you know lads funny man type which is a shame because he's more than that and I think that maybe working with uh, Ruth Jones on Gavin and Stacey uh, you know they obviously really complimented each other um, but then going off and um, uh, you know uh, doing the whole horn and cordon thing and it's just Mm. yeah I now, getting back to the episode itself, there's a couple of there's quite a few, quite a few little bits I really like in this. I like the fact that when the doctors uh, so uh, cures Craig from the poisoning uh, that he experiences, he he does it with tea, which is great, very Doctor Who. But he also does it in a Charles and Die teapot. It's yes. a very obvious, and for some reason that that really made me laugh. There's also a couple of funny little call-outs to actually Pertwee episodes, I think. Uh, when the Doctor's singing in the shower, it's the same thing the third Doctor yes. sings while driving in Inferno. And the the non-technology scanner must be a callback to this weird thing he the Doctor builds in the Time Monster. Now, admittedly, I've never been able to bring myself to watch the final episode of the Time Monster, but he has this odd scanner thing that he builds out like bits of tea and other bit and non-technology. And I wonder if that's not a little bit of a callback. Why you'd call back to the Time Monster, I'm not entirely sure. Unless it was some kind of bet. But, um, <laughs> you blatantly would, though, wouldn't you? Yeah. If, if you were writing a Doctor Who episode, you'd be tempted. It's, it's like Dave when he tries to shoehorn references to random things into his MOD presentations. Yes, our, our friend Dave likes to put up random slides. Yeah, into... photos. Photos of us that will be declassified in 25 <laughs> years. Seriously, declassified in 25 years. <laughs> he is fantastic. Hello, Dave. Hi, Dave. <laughs> 
um but yeah it's it's you know what the thing that i liked about the lodger is that it had a lot of heart you know yeah yeah um there, there's something lovely about him trying to make friends with like somebody who doesn't want to run off and be his companion who just wants a normal life and to get I was his say, it's and... a quite funny almost twisting of the old do- of the of the whole thing about dot two being like you must travel and see the world and craig kind of saves work by going i don't really want to travel i just yeah. kind of want to stay here and that's actually I mean, yeah, it is also his love for Sophie as well, but there's also that undercurrent of him just going, actually, I'm really happy on this sofa, which saves the <laughs> saves the world. And I, I like that, actually. I think that's a nice... I also like the scene where Matt Smith plays football. I mean, it's, it's very funny, but uh, it's also a kickback because uh, I, I believe that Matt Smith was originally uh, going to be a footballer. Yes, you know, he, before he went into acting. But that scene's also funny, again, for, for, I think, for me, from a different point of view, because in, in the 90s, I was a bit like... you. People claim that claim there was like your nerds and then your lads who like football. Now, obviously, it was always more complicated. There's plenty of Dot Two fans who like football anyway, but there is that like that hardcore contingent who are like football because it was like the acceptable thing to like where Dot Two was not the acceptable yeah. thing to like. And so, I, I I almost wonder if it didn't upset some people seeing the Doctor play football. But I'm always like, we shouldn't limit what the program can do, especially something as ridiculous as that. So it's quite funny seeing him. My only regret about that is that because he, he come he he goes to the ground wearing his jacket over the um the football top, and I kind of wish he'd played wearing the tweed jacket. <laughs> yeah, no, I also like it when uh, when Craig's off sick and um and and the doctor fills in <laughs> for him in the call centre. Now, wouldn't you just love that? You have phoned up, you know, a call centre for whatever reason, like you know you you prang someone in your car or whatever, and you're thinking, oh god only to be met by somebody who will just identify themselves. And, and and one of the things that I really liked, actually, is that he was just introducing himself to everyone as the Doctor, and everyone was like, oh, we like the Doctor, yes. or whatever. It, it wasn't ever, you know, do you have a, a real name? I, I like that bit near, near the end of that scene where, where, where he goes, hang on, I've just got to put, put you on hold, I'm going to eat a biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, lots of nice little moments. Uh, also, the, the, there's uh, the football scene, near the end there's... Uh, Again, an undercutting of, of the whole I am the oncoming storm where he goes, where, where, where the other football goes, oh, we're going to annihilate them. He goes, no, 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 actually, no violence. I'm the doctor. I'm the oncoming storm. You meant in the football match. And <laughs> it's just that kind of nice undercutting of the slightly pompousness that yeah. has occasionally plagued the, seri- the series and the character since it came back with that I am the last Gallifrey and I am the doctor, which is fine. But if you state it every other week, it does get a little bit wearing. Also, I've written down in my notes Vulcan headbutt, which I think is referring to the uh, quote-unquote mind meld he does with Craig where he just headbutts him. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I always thought that as far as a, a plot device goes, that's always made me uh, raise my eyebrows a little bit. But uh... And it's also an interesting episode because he states he doesn't use a sonic because um, because he doesn't want to be, be detected. And it's quite uh, interesting because sometimes, you know, there's a sense in the new series that the sonic is a little bit overly relied upon. mm and it's nice just seeing an episode where he goes, I can't use it. Yeah. And I sort of think it'd be nice to see more of those. No, obviously, also interesting point that uh, the, the flat above Craig's that doesn't really exist, that's actually a spaceship. That is a great moment, though. He goes, there is no upstairs. Yeah. And at the top of it. And that's a brilliant Doctor Who moment where they just kind of both look down the stairs, they've just walked up, which isn't supposed to be there. Yeah. No, uh, I, I do like the fact that obviously uh, we later realise that um, it's linked to the silence. It's silence, yeah. Oh, yeah, because it's quite funny, isn't it? Because it's just like, you realise it's actually. You don't know if this is an important episode, quote-unquote, which is a ridiculous concept in some ways. Like, 
because every episode is as important or as, as not as important as, as you personally choose it to be. But then they just do this, and you just think, is it is it because all the silence have been killed, or or no? It kind of it's interesting the way it plays into the arc. Yeah, no, it's it's. Uh, it, I, I have to admit, I did once again find the ending. Um, I, I wish that there are a few less Doctor Who episodes that felt like they had to end, uh, uh, you know, with, with everybody being saved by the power of love. Yes, that's or been a bit of a... Or at least if they uh, have to keep playing them, they do, in fact, play Frankie Goes to Hollywood. <laughs> over uh, you, you're actually looking for the episode where he, where he does say the day playing the power of love, don't yeah. you? Yeah, on a boombox, <laughs> like, you know, he's holding it up <laughs> to some oncoming spaceship. And, and all the aliens grab their heads yeah, and explode. And because be like, they can't comprehend. Or maybe just it contains the exact frequencies that, that, make, that, that blows shit up. No, that's Torchwood. Four, five, six. Oh, yeah. My God, imagine how less grim that ending would have been if all it had taken was a Frankie Goes to Hollywood <laughs> yeah. CD. And Jack there, still crying as he's doing it. <laughs> oh God, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's... I'm sorry, Frankie, I can't relax. <laughs> Oh my uh, god! Yeah, no, I, I, I think I would have been a bit. Disappointed it's like two tribes have gone to war. Um, <laughs> And then afterwards, they all go to the pleasure dome. Oh my god! I don't. I think. I think. I think a Torchwood episode where, where Jack went to the pleasure dome would be too much for what, you BBC. You mean they'd have to show it in very special cinemas? Yes, okay. very special. But yeah, no, the power of love thing. It's it's been. I mean, it's almost exclusively something that's coming with the new series. I can't just going through my head. I can't immediately think of what the classic series that um, that's happened in. I mean, there might be, but I can't think of anything else. You know what? In a weird way, though, it's, it's a concept that seems to have been popularised, um, well, in popular culture, uh, a lot recently. If you think about it, Harry Potter books, or even the yeah. Philip Pullman books, like, have a certain degree of it. Um, you know, uh, a lot of sort of uh, fantasy genres, um, as of late, do or have known to rely on it as a plot device. I, I think it's, it's something that's actually becoming more prevalent I think it's more of a get out of uh, the way of doing a cheap uh, feel good ending I suspect uh, I don't know I mean, it would be interesting to track it as a, as a concept because it's not it's not a new concept no, by no, any stretch but maybe it has become a little more prevalent um, maybe it's part of the move away from science fiction more to science fantasy I don't have enough no- the knowledge of the background reading to be able to talk about it with any great authority. No, but... I, I mean, I'd have to look into it a bit, but I, I do sort of know that um, as a device, it just seems to be relied upon a lot more these days. You're right, maybe it is lazy story writing, um, you know, maybe it is a, a cop-out, or maybe oh, it's maybe just something Maybe we're just very that's... cynical, you and I. <laughs> Yeah, I think we are. A little bit. So having said that, um, Sophie and Craig are, in a weird way, one of the better Who romances, I think. There's been some pretty diabolical ones. I mean, it was... I mean, my my, my ultimate terrible romance isn't actually even Lilo and What's-His-Face in The Invasion of Time, because that isn't even a romance. It's it's a last-minute scene to get her out of there. But uh, Delta and the Bannermen, I don't know if you've ever seen that. Uh, Billy and Delta. Their romance is worse than, say, Lilo's, because... Their romance is kind of part of the plot, but they're both so utterly wooden that that you might as well just screw two planks together and have done with it. There have been some quite good romances in the new series of Who. I mean, especially Amy and Rory. 
which mm-hmm. you know. Oh yeah, no, I like Amy and Rose romance because it's it is actually I think the most realistic in a weird way. Um, Rose, that they're, they're rude to each other and they don't always get on. And Rose and the Tenth Doctor had its moments. And, yeah, like in I, Doomsday, I, I just wish that it hadn't all worked out quite so down pat like it did in, in the end where everyone's happy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I thought it did take away a lot from that. I was, I was. I was. I mean, I wasn't like not a fan of it, but I was like, "Oh, it's fine. It's okay." And and I thought, "Well, it's got it's got quite a nice sad ending." And then because you need sad endings occasionally, because yeah. otherwise, no, I, the I, happy I, endings I lose it. Doomsday was just perfect. You know, it, it did feel like a cop out to have you know Rosa pop up at the end and and sort of. Here's your David Tennant clone. Hey. No. Wait, we we've already wrung you dry of uh, every emotion that you could have possibly felt, and now that you don't care anymore, she's back, and and we're going to give her that happy ending, and and it's just kind of uh, like, oh, really, uh, seriously? You might as well have shown Russell T Davies on screen masturbating for an hour and a half. Wait, you mean that wasn't what that episode was about? <laughs> Only metaphorically. Right. Okay. Anyway. We- Back to the, back to the logic. I mean, uh, I'm just thinking what else to say about it. Um, I, I think that actually there's not a massive amount to say about it, which is it, why we're it, uh, meandering it, so much. We do that in anyway. other episodes. It, it, it's. I think it, what it is. It, it, it's a fun episode. It's probably quite a good episode to introduce someone to who with you reckon. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's odd. It's, it's not a normal. It's a good introduction. It's just another one of those episodes. Um, you know, that the sort of uh, gives an introduction to the character of the Doctor from an outsider's eyes as yes, such. Yes, yeah. Uh, which is always a good um, episode to introduce somebody to who on. To an extent. I mean, I do recommend, say, the 11th hour over this as the, oh, this will introduce you to to Matt Smith's Doctor uh, and to the programme. But I do definitely think that, because it's not part of an arc, well, it is, but only not in a way that, 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 that means you have to understand the arc to understand this episode... But yeah, it's just it's kind of a fun. Like, I mean, it, it is different. It's a very you know, it's a very domestic episode. Obviously, in a way that Doctor Who hasn't really been domestic. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's nice before. to show an episode that actually seems to relate to you know real life. Because as <laughs> vaguely, vaguely, because as much no, because like Craig is a very real person. Apart from the fact that you know, um, you'd be like, oh, it's that guy from Gavin and Stacey. Apart from the fact that I think a guy who works in a call centre probably wouldn't be able to afford a flat uh, like his. Um, was was it supposed to be set in London? No, no, it's Essex. It's oh, not Essex. London. Oh, it's okay. definitely because there's a whole thing about he was offered a job in London and refused. Ah, and yes, to, of said, I don't, I don't see the point in London. Because uh, oh, yeah, one yeah, interesting yeah, thing yeah, Moffat right. did has, is had a lot less episodes set in London. With during the RTD, there was a lot of London-based episodes. Sorry, Moff- I think I've got Moffitt's... London house hunting on the brain. Uh, but... <laughs> that, that would explain it. And, and Moffat's made a real effort to move it away from London, which I think is quite good for. Yeah, you know. no, it is good. Um, but yeah, it, it's. Um, I've completely forgot the point I was making there. But no, no, he's a fairly normal uh, person no. as such. Um, and and it's nice to have them because like even if you think about Amy and Rory, mm. like you know Amy was an orphan who grew up in her aunt's like you know big spooky house and um, and 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 because, had a crack in her bedroom wall and which and, ate her and, parents. and eventually yeah which ate her parents and then eventually ended up working as a stripper and kissagram kissagram it's a thinly veiled no, reference no, to a stripper no it's not it says kissagram so she's a kissagram do you think that she would actually realistically make any money as a kissagram she's staying at her aunt's house so she's probably not paying rent so yes 
in a little village Well, somewhere. she probably drives out to other villages. Why do you have to yeah, dirty which... everything? Why do you have to bring everything down to your level? No, it's not that. I am just being realistic. Like, for a start, we know It's that... a show about a man who travels in time and space in the blue box. Yeah, but the reason that it's so popular is because that, it's grounded in these little moments of, of like, you know, realism. So I'm sorry, I completely accept... think that Amy was a stripper. Look... Completely. They just can't put that on a BBC primetime No, she was show. a kissogram. She was a stripper. Mind out the gutter, Adams. Mind out the gutter. <laughs> I, I am not even doing this from a mind in the gutter point of view. I'm just saying that, like, how much do you think you'd have to pay a kissogram to turn up and, like, you know, turn up at someone's door, give them a kiss? How much cool do you think there is for that? Well, maybe a lot in Ledworth. Ledbury. Ledworth? Ledbury? Ledworth. 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 Ledbury's an extra place. Or Ledworth. No, Ledworth. So, um, somewhere along a place with a duck look, pond. Well, maybe no she, she travels to other places. Is that so hard to imagine? Yeah, but maybe it's just something she's costs. doing for, 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 for a bit of extra pocket money, as it were. Anyway, we actually haven't talked much about Amy in this, but obviously she's not really in it, apart from in the TARDIS, and there's that final scene where she finds Rory's ring, which um, uh, yes, actually does tie into, into the arc overall. Yeah, I mean, she's fine. She's. I mean, we're both, again, both Amy Pond fans, even if we can't agree on her profession. Uh, but uh, kissogram. Uh, I'm just going to edit this out, you know. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna put in a, uh, I'm gonna find a clip of you going, mm, I agree, which would be quite hard to find, actually. And yeah, just, just edit it in. Edit good luck it with in. that, loser. But yeah, she, there's not really a lot to say about her because she just kind of... Well, she's not really in the episode very much. There, there are a couple of moments where she seems to see something and it's been suggested that maybe she sees a silence, but I don't necessarily know if I buy into that if there was one in the TARDIS because of just a couple of slightly odd reaction shots we get. I, I don't know until, until I hear Stephen Moffat go, yeah, that's definitely a reference. I'm not inclined to necessarily think no, it is. the ring at the end is more interesting because, of course, you know, it, it kind of makes more sense that the ring wouldn't exist. Ah, uh, but there, there's a thing that the Doctor... Because I don't know if this was my thing a little bit, but there is a thing that the Doctor says in Pandora Opens about people disappear, but they leave things behind. Yeah. And also, it was in the TARDIS, so it's questionable maybe it would have survived in that. It's yeah. like it's like she also finds... There's also a photo of Rory that turns up in Pandora Opens. Yeah. So I think the idea is that people do leave things behind, that you, you but you just can't remember them. I mean, how would you feel if you had to actually share a flat with the doctor? Um, you have met my flatmate, right? Yes, I have. He's not likely to listen to this, is he? I think that after living with my dear Samling, that I, I could probably cope with living with the doctor. Do you think? Do you think the doctor would be tidier? Um, no, no, I, I can actually foresee the Doctor being a little bit messy. Um, but more to the point, I don't think that the Doctor is likely to uh, leave his little model armies, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, um, in, in places. But which Doctor do you think would make the best uh, flatmate? One would be old and grumpy and forget to do things. Two would probably actually end up wrecking the place. Three would just leave his bits of car around the place <laughs> and all, the, all his gadgets. Yeah, but that just sounds like my dad. Yeah, that's true. Four would probably take up the sofa all the time. Five would probably be polite. Six, yeah, but he would be like you know be... five. You, you would worry that you know he yeah. was like looking through the keyhole when you went in the shower or something. Wouldn't you? <laughs> what? I what? don't know why. 
What? Number five. The one who's known as like the nice one. The the, the, the heroic the pure heroic spirit. Yeah, that's what peeping, bothers me. Peeping Tom on you. And what's more like to happen is you'll have him around and then he'll end up inviting like three or four friends around that'll crowd the place out and keep arguing with each other and you won't really like them and then one of them will and years later them still be bitter will, about it. Yeah, and then another one. That's of them a Janet never Fielding take... reference, by the way. Yeah, I could tell. Another one of them would always turn up in his pyjamas and like, yeah. never ever take them and, off. And they crowd up the place. Not but even I, when you have your I, gods and dogs themed housewarming party, he'd still turn up in his pyjamas. I can't believe you just suggested the fifth doctor might peek through a keyhole. I, he, <laughs> no, he's just too, you know. Good to be true? Yeah. Can't take his eyes off of you? <laughs> da, 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 da. Um, six would just be a, a no. Because yeah, you, no. you'd wonder. Seven he might would, want to strangle you. Seven would be fine, but you probably get the feeling that that you'd never that, that everything was already pre planned. Yeah, and, and that he might have switched your sugar for some sort of hallucinogen or <laughs> And uh, eight would only be there very briefly. Uh, you'd be like, Yeah, I have this room, yeah, I'll definitely oh, I'll stay here for a long time. A week later, I've gotta go. <laughs> um nine would um never be in. Never be in, do you reckon? Yeah. He'd be out all the time, and he'd be yeah. all grumpy at you. Yeah, ten would just be would be kind of enthusiastic, and probably a little too enthusiastic at times. Yeah, and well, we've seen what happens at eleven. Um, this is real delaying tactics because I'm trying to make this episode last longer. You know what? I think that I would be okay to flat share with Amy Pond though. I'm just putting it out there. I've yes, I think she doesn't live very far from me. Karen Gillan, that it's not even. <laughs> oh, God, don't make, well, me, have, don't make actually, me have the it's not real talk with you, please. Matt Smith, actually, uh, we think he lives in North London because our friend Susie keeps bumping into him in uh, Archway Tube Station. Stalking. <laughs> no, no, well, not really. I mean, she saw him in the co-op once there, too. So, um, yeah. Uh, so we've kind of got it covered. They've got north, we've got south. It's uh, we, we can track down. Yeah, uh, yeah. Stars. We can uh, pincer we can get, movement. We can interview them on pincer here. movement. We could, yeah. Get, we can invite them around. They can have bourbons and tea, and then we can ask them questions like assholes. I don't know. Um, anyway, anything else to say about this episode? Um, it was fun and stuff, and I liked it. And I'm really sorry. I sound so tired today. Um, you know, I've, I've been an absolute letting agent slash uh, uh, renting hell and, and I need you to keep your fingers crossed for me that I get this really, 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 really nice house which has a roof terrace and a cleaner. And um, did I mention the cleaner? You keep oh mentioning the cleaner. Oh my God, that'll be so nice. Yes. So anyway, yeah, fun, light episode with some connotations to the bigger arc, but generally it's good. It's Gareth Roberts in his groove, finally. Which is nice to see because he, I, I've always liked to see some of his books have been very good. So it's nice to see him grooving. I just don't think do we, do we have any do we have any news or anything? Um, well, hopefully we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're, 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 we're going to try and um, stick to a vaguely regular release schedule. But to be honest, with like I said, particularly with my MA work, um, it's going to be a little bit hit and miss for a while. I'm afraid. Uh, hopefully, after May, we might be able to settle into more of a pattern. And then probably around August we'll stop again because I'll be writing my dissertation. Um, but we're, we're, we're going to try and keep, uh, so you don't think we're dead, and we're going to try and keep putting stuff out. Right, contact details. You can find us on Twitter at Naked Scarf. We have a Tumblr, which is nakedscarf.tumblr.com. Uh, you can email us, it's nakedscarf at gmail.com. Uh, we have a Facebook group, which you can just find by if you just type the Naked Scarf. We should really be the only option that comes up. And in the next episode, are we doing a special? 
You tell me, Adam. Well, you tell me. <laughs> I, I, I don't know anymore. Um, we're doing your fashion special that we talked about. Ah, yeah, okay. No, I like it when it's my specials. Okay, well, we're doing... We're going to do a fashion special. And and I might be a bit drunk for this, um, because I always think that I work best in a fashion context when I'm bitchy. Um, and Okay, we'll, we'll have a proper drunk episode. That'll make us like a proper Doctor Who podcast. None of the sober sh- business. Yep, and, and it gives you an excuse to be as camp as you'd like to be, that, you know, you usually camp. hold yourself back. I'm not camp. Um, okay, I'm a little bit camp. Okay, I'm doing an MA in performance and culture. I'm a tiny bit camp. But I'm, I'm also full on the, testosterone and musk. You worship at the altar of jazz hands. I, I, I do jazz hands on occasion. I'm doing them at the microphone, but I don't think anyone heard that. Anyway, folks, until next time, take care. My voice. Oh,